Just tonight, I'm going to be bringing the word uh, for you guys. And uh, well, before I do, let's all open up with a word of prayer. We can all just bow our heads and close our eyes right now. Uh, let's just focus right now on, on, on God, on Jesus, because that's why we're here, guys. Uh, Lord, we thank you um, for being among us, Lord. Even in that uh, holy moment, God, when we were all on our knees during worship, Lord God, what a privilege it is, God, to worship you and to honor you, Lord God, and to have you next to us, Lord God, Emmanuel, God with us, Lord. You were with us, Lord God, in the midst of that worship, Lord. God, we thank you, God, that you love us so much, God, that you come so close, Lord God. I just pray, God, that even tonight, Lord God, as we listen to the word, God, and, and the scriptures and the altar call, even the fellowship time, God, I pray that your presence would be felt, Lord God. God, I pray that your presence would be felt, God. Come, Lord. Come even now as we speak, Lord God. I pray that you would bring conviction, God, even now as we speak, Lord. Holy Spirit, I can't do it, Lord God. None of us as leaders can do it. Holy Spirit, you're the one who brings the conviction. So God, convict hearts right now in Jesus' name. Hearts that aren't right. Hearts that are rebellious, God. Hearts that are prideful. Hearts that think they don't need Jesus, God. I pray that you would convict them, Lord God, and show them, Lord, they are nothing without you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. All righty. Well, uh, without further ado, let's turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, ask her if you can get that scripture up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let me get it in here in this Bible. Amen. Awesome. Today I'm going to be talking about I'm going to be talking about Christianity and what it means to be a disciple. Um, and uh, yeah, so just want to encourage you guys really, really open up your hearts to the Lord and to what He's speaking uh, tonight, because um, you only get as much as you want. You know what I mean? If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, if you're not listening to His voice, if you're not, if if you've already checked out in your mind and in your heart, then guess what? You're gonna like miss everything that's going to be said, you know, hopefully, you know, I mean, if you checked out during worship, you didn't get anything during that time, right? It was just like, why are we here? Why are we kneeling down, right? Guys, don't check out on God. Don't check out on God because you will miss him. You will miss uh, him trying to speak to him, trying to get your attention because he loves you. And, he, and, he's, and he's after your heart, and he wants to know you in a deeper and more personal way. But guys, if you check out and you're not paying attention to him and to his voice, guess what? You're going to miss him, and you're not going to get anything from God. You can only get something from God when your hands are open and you're saying, Lord, touch me. I want you in my life. So I want to encourage you guys throughout this night, and even just in Elevate in general, you have to be open. You have to want God. You have to be receptive to the Lord. You have to be saying in your heart, Lord, I want you in my life. I'm here for you. I'm not here for my friend. I'm not here just to hang out. I'm, I'm here because I love Jesus, because I want to know Jesus more. That should be every person's reason for showing up on a Friday night in Elevate, so that they can encounter Jesus. And if that's your heart, I'm telling you, you will encounter God as many have in this place encountered the Lord. I'm telling you so many different testimonies throughout this room of God touching them, setting them free from addictions, from sin, from, from depression, from suicide, from all these different issues. The reason why they encountered God in that way is because they came up to the Lord and said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to be a disciple. Come, touch me. Because they opened their heart, God was able to get inside of them. 
and to change them. Because they opened up their heart to Jesus, they were able to experience Jesus. You don't, ex- you don't open up your heart to Jesus, you won't experience him. You won't feel his presence. You won't get set free. You won't get delivered. If you do not open up your heart and say, God, come into my life. If that's not your attitude, then guess what? You're going to be depressed. Your life is going to suck. You're going to have friends backstabbing you left, r- left and right. I mean, guys, it's, 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 it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> your life will literally suck. You will not be happy. You will not have the joy of the Lord. You will not be set free from sin. You won't have a successful relationship. And in these days, what is a successful relationship in our culture and our society, right? What, three failed marriages and, and five side chicks, you know, here and there? I mean, what, guys, it, it, it's, all, it's all baloney without Jesus. It really is. And if you're not willing to be a real disciple, if you're not willing to be a real Christian saying, God, I actually do want you in my life, if you are not 100% in all the way for the Lord, you're not going to get anything from God. So don't expect things to change in your life by you coming to a service. I'm going to be going uh, a little bit more in depth uh, tonight and expounding on that idea. But guys, I'm telling you, just up, up front here, don't, don't expect to get, don't, you coming to a service, you sitting in a chair, you're not doing anybody a favor. You're not doing God a favor. You're not doing God a favor by coming and sitting in a chair. Like God literally does not care if you sit in a chair or not. Like, don't get me wrong, he's glad that you're here and you're not drinking yourself silly because that would be worse because that would be, have worse consequences on your life. And God loves you and he doesn't want you to, to just ha- you know, have your whole life as a wreck. It, it hurts God to see you like that. So in a sense, yeah, he's glad that you're here, but, but you're not doing him a favor by just sitting in a chair and just checking in and saying, well, I, I came to church today. Right? I'm sure we've all seen that before. People coming on Easter, people coming on Christmas Day. They're like, oh, hey, guys, I'm at church. You know, look at me. They, they, they post it on Facebook. You know, oh, I'm attending this church right now. Look at me. I'm so awesome. No, you're, you're not doing anybody a favor. It's like, who cares? Are you living for Jesus? Are you a real disciple? What does that mean? That you're just in a building. It doesn't mean anything. You can be in any building. It doesn't mean anything, guys. Are you for real about it? Are you 100% in for Jesus, or are you just sitting in a chair taking up space? It's up to you. It's your choice. Are you here for God? Do you want to be a real disciple? Or do you just want to sit in a chair, take up space, and not really mean any of it? That choice is before you guys tonight. If we can read, well, actually, uh, to lighten up the mood just a little bit, um, I wanted to have Victor. I was going to go in, but I just remembered. Yeah, I wanted Victor. Victor, I love you. Can you come up here? Can you come up here? Yes, yes. Victor, come on. It's okay. It's like you got this. You got this. We talked about this on Sunday. Give it up for Victor as he comes. Amen, amen. I just want to say, guys, I've known Victor ever since he was in King's Kids. None of y'all have that. I got that with Victor. Come on, somebody. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so he, this past Saturday, uh, Victor, what, what in particular were you doing? So on this Saturday, uh, last Saturday, uh, I, went out with, um, I went out with Jackie, Sean, and Marcel, and we evangelized to some people on Belmont. Um, we, we prayed for, I, me and Shamal, me and Shamal, we prayed for three people, but we prayed, we prayed for one old Old, old lady because um, her leg, I mean, her, she was having problems in her family and 
because she something had happened to her leg, and she asked us if we could pray for her, and we prayed for her. And yeah. Amen. Give it up for that. That's pretty awesome. Yep. yep. Right. And so he, he's evangelizing, and for those of you who don't know what evangelism is, right, it's a little bit of Christianese, that's just you, you're, you're, you're telling people about God, like how awesome Jesus is, like, hey, Jesus is awesome, you should live for him, because if you're not, you're going to hell, right? That's preaching the gospel, that's what it's about. And so that's what Victor was doing with uh, Sean, Marcel, and uh, Shamal over there, Jackie as well, right, for the evangelism team. But after doing all that good stuff, right, he's sharing the gospel, he's telling people about the Lord, man, it's just amazing, like he's doing good things, like, yes. Um, what happens next, Victor? So, um, Marcel and Sean, I forgot the lead, that they, I forgot the name of the lead that they were with, but they were coming back, they're like, the cops stopped us, and, I, and we're like, why? And they're like, because the, these girls' dads said we couldn't preach the gospel to them when they were trying to preach to them, so... The, the cops told them, the cops told us we cannot preach the gospel or, or we're going to go to jail. So we have to stop. Amen. Thank you for sharing, Victor. Everybody give it up for Victor. That was awesome. Got persecuted a little bit, but that's because he's being like Jesus. You can take a seat now, Victor. Amen, amen. Um, by the way, Victor, did anybody like point a gun to your head and be like, you must go preaching? Amen, right? He just wanted to do that. He just wanted to preach. He just wanted to share the gospel. And without going into too much detail, I want everybody to pay attention right now. Nobody had to force Victor. Please listen, please. Nobody had to force Victor to spend his Saturday preaching. Anybody catch that? Again, I don't want to keep drilling that in. I love you, Victor. But I'm just saying, for those of you who, who are, you know what I'm saying, like, nobody had to force him. Enough said. Had a free Saturday, wanted to preach the gospel, has been coming to Elevate. Okay, let me go. Gets persecuted a little bit, gets to pray for uh, a lady, right? All that good stuff. This is what he wants to do on his free time. What are you doing for the Lord on your free time? What are you doing for Jesus? Amen. Thank you, Victor, again for sharing that awesome testimony. Praise God. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, First Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3. We can read it on the screen here. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say, praise God. Praise Woo. God. From whom all bless. <laughs> Woo. Come on, somebody. Um, amen. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Everybody say, new birth. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what? Our inheritance is as believers. When we accept Christ into our heart and we become a Christian and we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you with all that I have. This is our testimony. This is what we come into. This is the door we're opening and we're stepping right into, right? God, in his great mercy, gave us a new heart. He made us brand new, a new birth. For some of you who might know this term right, he made us born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're not hopeless. We're not depressed. We have a living hope, Jesus Christ. As believers, this is our calling. This is who we are. We accepted Christ. He raises us from the dead. We are alive in him. 
We're made brand new. We're not dead. We're not walking around like a zombie. He gives us life and life to the fullest when you become a Christian. When you're a disciple, when you love Jesus and you belong to God, you have life. You have a living hope. Your life is founded on something that is solid and concrete. You're not confused. You're not shaking all over the place. You're not unstable. God is your living hope. He sustains you. He brings you life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. When we accept Christ into our hearts, our salvation, us being born again, it's not something that can fade away, that can spoil, that can kind of wear out over time. When I come to church on Sunday, oh, well, my salvation is like at 100, right? Because I'm like at church and I'm like singing songs on the screen like I'm so saved, right? But then Monday comes around and I go to school and I'm around like my group of friends that are cursing and acting crazy and all this different stuff. And then my salvation like, it like goes down to like a 25, like a 30, like, uh, you know, it, it kind of faded away a little bit on Monday, right? Especially if I didn't get any sleep, right? Kick the dog on the way out, right? All this different stuff. Um, you know, your salvation, you being saved, it's not, it's, it doesn't spoil. It doesn't fade away. If you accept Christ in your heart, you're 100% saved. Jesus has made you brand new. Your heart is transformed. You've gone from death to life. If you are a human being and you have breath in your lungs and your heart is still beating, you are alive. There is no point where you're like 50% alive and 50% dead. You're either alive or you're dead, guys. Come on, right? It's basic stuff. Even if you're on your deathbed and you still have life inside of you, you still have breath, you're still alive. You're not dead until that signal thing goes boop, right? You're not, you're not dead until that happens. You're either dead or alive. And when we accept Christ in our hearts, we're made alive. We're fully alive, 100%, just like Jesus. And it never perishes. It never spoils. It never fades away. It's always going to be at 100% when we become a Christian, when we become a disciple. If I can have Oscar put up that picture that I sent him via Facebook, um, I want to have a little example here. Can you reformat it so it looks a little bit more squarish? Or, Yeah. Um, so while Oscar is doing that, this is actually a picture that Joby um, drew on his uh, spare time. He kind of felt inspired to draw this. I'm going to have him come up right now. This is all going to tie into what I'm talking about today. So, Joby, if you can uh, make your way up. You can give it up for Joby as he comes up. <laughs> Joby's awesome. So the Lord inspired him to make this picture. Um, God can do that. He can give us ideas for paintings, visions, you know, uh, uh, pictures, uh, videos, all this different stuff. Like, God can actually give you creativity. Um, music, right? Songs, all that stuff. God is the author of creativity. Amen. So I think that actually looks better. Um, everybody can see it, right? We're good? Awesome. So, Joby, why don't you explain just kind of what made you want to draw that picture? What does it symbolize? What does it represent? Oh, yeah. So, uh, I was praying, right? It's a good thing to do. Uh, and, you know, I just felt like the Lord lead me to draw. Like, there was, a, there was a time in my life where I was drawing a lot more. And God had led me to draw something about hypocrisy. And he kind of gave me this image with a person with a mask on their face. And on the mask is the world. And basically what that's symbolizing, uh, what I felt like God leading me that symbolized was that 
we have the, there's, there's this mask that people have on, and it's, it's, uh, it's basically, there's two things, actually. People have a mask on, and it's, uh, they're living this life, and you think they're good, but beneath it, you know, as you see a skull, it's death. You know, they're really dead on the inside. But then there was another meeting that God had kind of told me, and it was when a, a lot of stuff had, had pop up about, uh, popped up about a certain people, that this is what, you know, um, what sin was like. Because sin, uh, it, it deceives us. It masquerades uh, itself as everything we want in this world. And uh, what I basically put was this girl who, uh, I don't know, you know, I just drew a girl. I, I can't really draw females that well, you know. But it looked like Kim Kardashian in my mind, you know, some like pretty girl. And... You know, and you're like, oh, man, dude, she's attractive. I want to get with her, blah, blah, blah. But beneath that, man, is death. You know, she, ha- she has everything that you would want. And, dude, it's, it's, just, it's just deception. It's just death under that. So that's, that's pretty much what it is. And then you see the, the hand coming, revealing itself that it's really, really death. And sin, it says in the Bible, the wages of sin leads to death. So it's pretty much summarizes a little bit. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You can leave that up, Oscar. After reading just those few verses in uh, verses 3 through 4, you know, just even looking at it here, and his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Let me tell you what, these words like living hope, new birth, I I, I don't really get that from, from this picture, right? We all understand that. When I, when I say living hope, when I say, uh, you know, a new birth, resurrection from the dead, when I say God's mercy towards us, right, I don't really think of a, a, a skull figure, a, a picture of a, a female with like this skull deathly look on her face, right, right, she, I mean, she has this mask on, it looks pretty, looks nice, right, whatever, but, but behind the mask, there's like this death, like Freaky stuff, you know what I mean? Some from a horror movie or whatever. I don't really get that picture when I'm reading verses 3 through 4 in the Bible. I don't know if that's just me. Living hope, mercy, new birth. I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing like a connection here, right? You know what that is? You know, you know why that's the case? Hey, because in this chapter and in this verse, it's, it's talking about somebody who's saved. It's talking about somebody who's given their life to the Lord. It's talking about somebody who's surrendering to the Lord and saying, God, I've given my life over to you. I'm made born again. I'm made brand new. I'm not living in this old lifestyle of sin. I'm not doing the things I used to do. There's a change inside of me. Yeah, I I used to be dead on the inside. I used to be full of sin. I used to be a wretched, perverted, sick person. But when I came to Christ, he, he changed me. When I came to Christ, when I said, Lord, I, I'm born again, I, I want to receive you, I want to serve you, I want to be obedient to everything you tell me, yeah, I don't look like this anymore. If you accepted Christ into your life and you were serving the Lord, you don't look like that. You don't look like this figure with a skull and the look of death on her face. It's not how you look when you're a Christian. It's not how you look when you're a disciple. You can leave it up there, Oscar. Um, actually, no, you can't. Uh, go to the next group of verses. I believe it's uh, verse 18. First Peter, same chapter. Chapter 1, verse 18. Verse 18, yes. 
It says here, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Again, well, you can leave it on there just for a second. It's talking about what Jesus did for us on the cross when we came to him, right? Jesus purchased us not with perishable things like silver and gold. God didn't buy us because, guys, we were all captive to sin. We were all under the curse of sin, the devil had a grip on our lives. He possessed us. He owned us, in a sense. We were slaves to sin, as the Bible calls. But Jesus saw us, and he says, hey, I, I want that person. I'm going to purchase that person. I can't do it with silver. I can't do it with gold. I can't do it with dollars or cents. But, hey, I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to die for this person so that they can be set free. For it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your answers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The precious blood of Christ. Notice that key phrase there, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Hmm. So I come to Christ. I get born again. I'm saved now. Okay, my life is redeemed it's changed. It's different. Different how? It's not the same empty way of life I used to live in. It's not the same empty way of thinking, the same empty way of talking to people, the same empty way of interacting with the opposite sex or the same sex. Hello, somebody. Right? Not the same empty way of life. You were redeemed. You were changed. You were made different now. Next verse. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God. Through who? Through him. Through Jesus, right? Jesus is him, right? That's the person he's talking about. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again. Everybody say born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. When we come to Christ, this is what happens. You become obedient to the truth. You have sincere love for people. Joby shared a powerful uh, message last week where, you know, we, we found out love only comes from God. If, if there was no God, there'd be no love in the world. And, if, and so if you don't have Jesus on the inside of you, you don't have love. You have some fake bootleg thing that's not even called love. It's called something else, all right? It's called lust, but it's not love. Love is only possible when you have Jesus Christ on the inside of you. So when you're born again, you start obeying the truth. God puts inside of you sincere love for each other. And you begin to love one another deeply in a sincere and genuine way, not in a fake way, right? From the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. What it means to be a Christian. I'm hoping that from these different passages in 1 Peter, you guys can get at least a, a, a fairly clear picture of what it looks like to be born again of what it looks like to have Jesus on the inside of you, right? If I, I'm loving people, I'm loving God, I'm loving people, I've been redeemed, I'm born again, I'm made new, I'm living a different lifestyle, I'm not living in an empty way of life anymore, right? This is what happens in the life of a believer. Oscar, if you can put that uh, photo back up. In 1 Peter, that's what happens, and that's what's being described, what happens to a Christian when they receive Jesus. This is nowhere in the picture. 
I'm going to keep coming back to this picture a lot because you guys need to understand this. This is not how I look after I've been redeemed. This is not how I look after I've been obeying the truth. This is not how I look after I've been born again. I don't look dead anymore. I don't look like I'm just this messed up zombie anymore. God doesn't leave you like that. He makes you brand new. Now if we can go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 verse 7. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. Okay, awesome. If I do what is right, I'm righteous. I'm cool with God. If I'm living in a righteous manner, if I have been born again, I'm living for Jesus. It's awesome. I'm obeying the truth. I'm righteous. I'm with God. Verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Oh, okay. So if I'm doing that which is sinful, I, okay, I'm of the devil. Oh, oh snap. All right, so if, if I'm living in a righteous manner, right, the one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. That he is righteous, it's talking about Jesus, just as Jesus is righteous. So if I'm living righteously, Through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? I've been born again. I'm doing what's right through God, through his power. I'm just like Jesus now. I'm living righteously. I'm doing what is right. But if I do what is sinful, if I do what is sinful, if I don't do what's right, if I'm doing things that are not in line with God's word, if I'm doing things despite what God is convicting me of, if I'm doing things that my parents are telling me not to do, if I'm doing things I know I shouldn't be doing, if that is happening in my life, I'm of the devil, guys. I'm of the devil. Only two options. You're either righteous as Jesus is righteous or you are of the devil because of your sin, because you're continuing in your sin, because you don't care, right? It says, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy, next slide, the word, the devil's work. The reason why Jesus appeared on this earth was to destroy the devil's work. So if I have Jesus on the inside, if I'm saying Jesus is my, my God, my everything, he's my Father in heaven, I love him, you kiss your cross, you point it to the sky, whatever, okay then, I should be living righteous. I should be living holy. I'm not living in an empty way of life handed down to me from everybody else. My life has changed now. Because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So if you're with Jesus, he's going to destroy whatever the devil's trying to do in your life. You're dealing with depression. You're dealing with lust. You're dealing with greed. You're dealing with uh, gossip, bitterness, anger. Whatever type of sin you're dealing with, Jesus has come to destroy it. It's good news. It's good news. Jesus has come to destroy whatever you're struggling with. And I don't know about you guys, but I know some people who, who, because of their sin, because of their struggle, it's left them miserable in their life. It's given them nightmares. They can't go to bed. They're sad. They're depressed. They don't feel like there's any reason for living. It messes them, it destroys them, and it destroys people around them. But if they came to Jesus, Jesus would destroy those habits. Jesus would destroy those addictions. Jesus would destroy that mentality. He would destroy what the devil's trying to do in that person. Because Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. 
Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. No one who is born of God, if you are born again, you have Jesus living on the inside of you. You will not continue on in a cycle and in a pattern of sin. We'll continue in sin. Why? Because God's seed remains in them. If I'm a Christian, if I'm a disciple, if I've actually given my life over to the Lord, I'm not going to keep acting like the world. There should be a change. Something should be different about me. When people examine my life, right? They should see, hey, this person's different. They're not like everybody else. They live a different way of life. They're not doing the empty stuff that the culture tells us what to do. They're living a different way. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know. How we know what, John? This is how we know who the children of God are. But it keeps going. This is how we know who the children of God are and who, what? No, you can go back. I wasn't done yet. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the who? Children of the devil are. This is how we can tell the difference between a Christian, a real disciple, somebody who actually loves Jesus and, 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 and is genuine and sincere about it. We can tell that person apart from somebody who's not a child of God. How do you know if somebody's not a child of God? How can you say that? You can't judge them. You, only, only God knows who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Well, uh, that, that's true, but he kind of laid it out for us so that we can know too. If you're continuing in sin, yeah, you're, you're not cool with God. You're, you're going to hell. Just, just, just being blunt. It, it's, it's, it's gospel truth. He loves you. He wants you to repent. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He didn't make hell for you. And he's giving you the choice and the option not to go there. So wait a minute, why would somebody go to hell? Because they choose to go to hell. Because they choose to continue in sin. Because they choose to keep doing the same thing that they know they shouldn't be doing. And that's how you know they're a child of the devil. Which child are you today? You a child of God? Are you doing what's right? Are you being obedient to the truth? Have you been redeemed? Have you been born again? Or are you continuing in sin? Doing whatever you want to do, which makes you a child of the devil. Keep going. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Now, see, at this point, we come into a peculiar situation and just put it that way this verse kind of kind of makes us question some things here for a second because some people say that they're a child of God some people say that they're a Christian some people say that I love Jesus and he's my homie and I go to church and this is Metro Praise 54 or 5 that's my place man that's where I get down awesomeness right but but somehow the, the Bible is not really lining up with their life Oh, they're, they're talking about, they're saying, yeah, I, I love Jesus, right? They're, they're their Facebook religion. Oh, yeah, it, it's Christianity. Amen. You know, and, and every now and then they'll, like, share, like, you know, you know, share this picture of Jesus so that you can get blessings, you know, or whatever, right? They, they do that whole thing, right? And they, they think to themselves, hey, I'm good with God. I'm God's child, guys. I love Jesus. 
I appeared on a talk show host. I, I, I dropped, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. All right, awesome, I'm a Christian now. I made a version of Reckless Love. I put it up on YouTube. Yeah, now I'm a Christian because I made a, a cover of a worship song. That makes me a Christian, right? Well, not, not necessarily. Shamal, if you can get the uh, object in the sound booth. To help illustrate this a little bit, I wanted to just really ingrain in your mind what this looks like, okay? Today, I really wanted to hone in on that topic of, of, of masks, and, you know, people say one thing, but they're really not, right? Some of you might know what this mask is. Don't worry, I'm not going to blow up the church. I'm not going to start a revolution, at least in the physical. Um, so anyway, right, here's a mask. People hide behind these a lot. People try and cover up what's going on in their life a lot with these. Right? If I put this on, I'm going to have to take off my hat. There we go. Amen. So y'all can hear me, right? Amen. There we go. Cool. Thank you, Oscar. So by me wearing this mask, it's a little bit harder to tell my identity. You know me. Amen. But what if I, how, how, how would it sound if I said, hey guys, my name is Daryl, you know, uh, I have a family, I have kids, right? Right? Well, well, would you guys believe me? Well, what, what if I said, hey, my, my name is Ricky, you know what I mean? And I came from the block, man, and I'm so cool, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 get, I get beef sandwiches, man, like I'm so awesome. Uh, would you guys believe me then? No. Because you see the mask. You know it's fake. You know it's not real. You know that somebody's behind the mask and it looks nothing like what's being portrayed, right? And you know it's me. And so a lot of times, guys, we can put on masks in our own life, call ourselves a Christian, say, hey, I go to church. I read my Bible every now and then. Look at me. I'm so awesome. I'm so spiritual. But everybody knows you're fake. Everybody knows you're not a Christian. You don't talk like a Christian, that's for sure. You don't listen to anything Christian. All you listen to is garbage, right? Talking about females' booty or whatever, rap and nonsense, right? All you do is make fun of the other people next to you, putting out their flaws, roasting them, right? Putting them down so you can feel better about yourself. That's all you do, and yet you want to wear a mask acting like you're a Christian, when everyone around you knows you're fake. God doesn't call fake disciples. He doesn't call fake Christians. God does not call fake disciples and he doesn't call fake Christians. Because a lot of those people that are walking around with that Christian mask on, guess what? Oscar, can you put back that picture up? They might look spiritual on the outside. They might drop some Christianese every now and then. They may appear on Oprah and talk about how good their life is because they prayed a prayer one day when they're like five years old. But guess what? They look like a dead person on the inside. You lift that mask of religion off, look, it's, it, it, it's despicable. You take that, you take that false that little mask that you're trying to wear to make yourself feel better about yourself, about, oh, I go to church. You, you take off that re religious mask you masquerade in, and guess what you're left with? You're left with a dead corpse. And that's what some of you are in this place. You are masquerading as Christians, but you are dead. 
you are dead. You talk dead. You look dead. You act dead. You don't act like a child of God. You don't act like you've been born again. You don't act like you've been redeemed. You don't act like God saved you. You act like a sinner. You act like a child of the devil. When the mask is taken off. And guess what, guys? When we appear before the Lord on Judgment Day, we can't fool God. He knows exactly who his children are. And it doesn't matter how much religious rituals you do in your life. It doesn't matter how many candles you light. It doesn't matter what kind of religious game you try and play. When you appear before God on Judgment Day, there is no mask you can hide behind. There is no religious cover you can put over yourself to make you look okay in front of God. Because by that point, it's too late. And the mask will be taken off. The covering will be taken off, and God will see you. And again, guys, I'm not trying to beat you over the head. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm telling you guys, if we don't have Jesus Christ on the inside, we're filthy sinners. We're dead. We're a, we're a walking corpse. We're a walking zombie. We look disgusting and hideous. And when God takes that mask off on Judgment Day, what is he going to find? Death. Yes. Thank you. He's going to find a, a corpse. He's going to lift that mask and he's going to say, you're not my child. You don't look like my son. You're not a part of my family. I just want us all just for a moment to just take that seriously just for a moment. Because even now, you, you know, please don't check out in this moment. Imagine you appear before God. 40, 50, 60 years of doing your own thing. Every now and then going to church. Every now and then, you know putting up a prayer post or a verse on your Facebook page or Snapchatting, you know, oh, I love Jesus. He's my number one, you know, fan or whatever. And you appear before God on judgment day. And God takes that mask and he just, he just lifts it up. And he looks at you in the face. And he stares at who you were when no one else was looking. He stares at the person that said all those things behind people's backs. He stares at the person that did all those things when no one else was watching. And he sees the dead corpse. And he says, you're not my child. It's serious. Because it's true. It's going to happen. We're all going to die at some point. No one's immortal here. Daryl, if you can come up to the keys. We're all going to die at some point, guys. And that's why being a real disciple is so important. That's why saying I'm a Christian is so important. It's not just meant to be this little flippant thing we say every now and then to make us feel better about ourselves. No, guys, there's a reality behind that. Because if you're faking it, if you're being a hypocrite, if you're being a fake Christian, God knows. Other people can see it as plain as day. The only person you're fooling is yourself. God is looking for real, genuine disciples. People who are willing to lay their life down and say, God, I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to be obedient to the truth. I want to be born again. Guys, and when we do that, when we give our lives over to Jesus, we don't look like this. We 
don't look like a corpse anymore. We don't act and live in the same way we used to. If we can all stand in this place. Just want to ask you this question, guys. I want you to be honest with yourself. Whose child are you? What's behind the mask? You might fool us. You might fool me. You might not be able to fool Karina. I don't know. You might fool, uh, you know, uh, might, might be able to fool a bunch of other leaders. But you can't fool God. He sees right through the mask. He sees right through the facade, through the show, right? We come to church, we put on a show. Oh, I'm Christian. <laughs> God sees all through it. He's not fooled not fooled and he's looking at your heart today and he's saying who whose child do you belong to he's inviting you into his family he's saying guys you don't have to be a hypocrite anymore you don't have to walk around with a mask anymore come to me come to me as you are maybe you are dead maybe you have a bunch of sin in your life and your your life is falling apart come to Jesus and guess what he'll make you brand new he'll breathe his life into you and you're gonna be made new you're gonna be born again In closing, I just wanted to share this verse. It's in Psalm 51. It's a psalm where David was caught in some sin. It was some really bad stuff. He thought nobody knew. He thought he could keep it a secret. He tried to push it all to the side. He's kind of wearing a mask, acting like he was all good with God and everybody else. But God knew. God knew what was going on. For those of you who might not know the story, he committed adultery. He stole someone else's wife. She got pregnant. David got a little bit scared. Tried to get the husband to come and basically sleep with the lady, right, his wife. But the guy was like, no, nah, man, I can't do that. I'm supposed to be over here at my, he, he, was, a, he was a general in the army. He's like, man, I'm supposed to be on the field, you know, fighting with my troops. You know, why, why should I come back and my soldiers have to, you know, keep fighting all this stuff, right? didn't fall for the little thing that David was trying to do. It didn't fall for his David's little cover-up scheme. So guess what? David had the guy killed because he didn't want to deal with the consequences. And so he was kind of wearing a mask. He was kind of parading around as if everything was fine. But God knew he sent a prophet to call him out on his sin. But here's the thing. As soon as David was called out, he got convicted. As soon as he was called out on his hypocrisy, he got so convicted. And God got a hold of his heart. Here's what he said in response when his sin was exposed. He says this, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let, my, let me hear joy and gladness. Let, let the bones you have uh, crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will not turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, oh God, here's what David's sacrifice is before the Lord in an act of repentance. It's a broken spirit. It's a broken and contrite heart. You, God, you will not despise that attitude. You know, you want to know the answer for hypocrisy, for wearing a mask, for masquerading around like you're a Christian, like you know everything there is to know about God, but you're dead on the inside. It's to be contrite and broken before the Lord and say, God created me a pure heart. I'm sorry, Lord, cleanse me, make me new. That's the answer and that's what some of you in this place need to do. You need to get desperate. David got desperate. He said, God, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, God. Don't do it. Don't leave me. Guys, David realized what he had done. And he said, Lord, please don't take your presence away from me. He said, God, be broken before you. I repent. If we can all bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, God, that you convict each and every single heart here, God. Those who have been hypocrites, God, those who are acting as if they're, they're a Christian, but God, behind that mask, God, God, they're dead. God, they have no righteousness, no holiness in them. God, it's just a bunch of religion, Lord. I just pray that you convict them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, convict hearts, Lord. Let tonight be a marking point, God, for these youth, Lord. Let them leave change, God, no longer putting on a show and a facade, God, trying to fool people, God. I pray that these youth would stop trying to fool each other, Lord, God, acting as if they're saved, Lord, when they know they're not your child, Lord, God. Convict them, Lord, God. You love them, God. You want them to come into your family, God. You want to adopt them, God. You want to invite them in, Lord, God. You're waiting for them, Lord. You're not going to turn them away, Jesus. You're gonna not, you're not gonna tell them, look, you're a hypocrite. I don't want hypocrites. No, God wants, God still wants hypocrites. He still wants people who are wearing the mask. He just wants to take the mask off and make you brand new and give you life. Holy Spirit, release life, release life in this room right now. Touch hearts, Holy Spirit. Just want to take a few seconds just you and God right now you talk to the Lord you repent right now on your own right where you're at before you come to the altar just make it right with God right now